Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast. It is podcast number three. We've made it a little bit further than uh, than one and two, I guess. My name is Matt Panier. I am the voice of Wisconsin International Raceway, joined by Andy Monday, one of the fastest gentlemen here at Wisconsin International Raceway. Andy, good to see you again. How are you? Uh, we'll get to your week in just a couple of moments, but... Uh, you know, not a bad white race all around. Maybe not for some guys, but uh, for most. Yeah, I appreciate uh, being on here again and uh, doing the show. We got some uh, nice donuts I brought in from Mom and Pop's they look fantastic. Is that s'mores? That's a s'mores is one. Is that there. what that yeah. is? Okay. I brought that one for you because I, I figured you wanted the Fruity Pebble one, but they were all out this morning. Well, who who do you think bought them all? Yeah, I guess. You beat me the punch there. Had to do it. Early bird gets the pebble. <laughs> Let's talk about the white race. Um, obviously, if you've been under a rock or maybe you didn't catch it, Ty Majeski was a winner. Before we get into everything and anything that happened in the white race itself, uh, let's listen to what Ty had to say. Ty Majeski wins the white race here at WIR. And uh, Ty, this 91 was on cruise control. Tell me about it. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, we got lucky. Uh, hit the right lines in the beginning. Got good track position early, which is which is key at, at these red, white, and blue races. Um, they are only 50 laps, so it's not necessarily a ton of time to get where you need to get. So uh, track position is pretty critical, and we got, uh, like I said, good track position in the beginning. And it's unfortunate to see a lot of good race cars tore up there in that incident out of four. Um, you know, a lot of good race cars that uh, might have been closer to us. Uh, so really wanted to see what we had versus the field. Uh, but overall, I think the car was pretty good. Uh, we definitely can be better. Um, so uh, we'll work on it and hopefully be a little bit better uh, come August 1st. You tell me about the track position and what happened there on the restart. Yeah. What did you see? Where were you in that whole mixture? Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was fourth row outside at that time. It just, uh, you know, guys trying to get the lead and win the race. Um, uh, it looks like Johnny uh, DeAngelis in the seven just maybe misanticipated the start a little bit, maybe went a little bit early. And at, at that position, you either, you either go or you or you check up trying to get the other guy even. You're kind of at a lose-lose position there. So, um, you know, just two races trying to go for the lead. You know, uh, just a racing incident. It's unfortunate that tore up a bunch of race cars, but that's racing. We've seen how critical the restarts have been here, and the outside line has been so good. Uh, on the restart where you eventually would go and take the lead, Chad Butts is on the outside of Lowell Bennett. You take the outside. What was your thought process there? Yeah, that was a tough decision. Obviously, Lowell's been racing for a long, long time. And uh, Chad's very capable, but he's a rookie too. And, um, you know, there's, there's games that some of these veterans play on restarts. And I thought about it, you know, Toby and I were going back and forth quite a bit. And he thought I should have followed Lowell. And, um, but I just, based on what I, the knowledge I gained following those two cars, uh, Lowell's car was real tight, especially into one. Uh, so I knew if Chad could at least just be even with him getting into one, I figured Chad could clear him out of two. And uh, Chad ended up being clear of him before we even got to start finish line, so it ended up being a good decision. Yeah, and then just right around the outside. You know, a lot of guys during the run of the race will use the inside line, but the outside line just seemed just fine for you. Yeah, um, it's just a feel thing for me. We didn't have that feel in the heat race or in practice. Uh, we threw a lot at it. I knew what the car needed to feel like. Uh, that's real critical here to get your car to roll on the outside because that's the easiest way to pass people. Um, it's real tough. The, the outside is so good. When you get underneath somebody, a lot of times they just even out. And um, so it was real. It's real critical here to get your car working on the outside, and where you can complete passes out there. And um, like I said, we worked on it, and uh, we finally hit on it for the feature tonight. All in all, a pretty good showing for tonight. You have the bounty on your head at Grundy coming <laughs> yep. up this weekend. By the time this airs, we'll know how that played out. You might be $1,500 richer. Um, and then next week, Slinger Nationals coming up. You've shown some success there. And then the big Tuesday race here. How are you feeling about some of the bigger races coming up? Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the stretch here that we really want to do well in. Obviously, the Grundys would be cool with the Bounty. Uh, a lot of hype leading up to that, so I, that's really cool for, for short track racing. Um, but uh, we really have our sights set on Tuesday. And, um, and of course, the Dixieland 250. Two races, uh, premier races in the Midwest that we haven't won. Um, we pretty much uh, had the chance to win about everything else, which is, um, which is really cool. Uh, that we're down to those last two races. And not only that, the Xfinity starts. You had one in the books. You're going to have another one coming up at Iowa. In Hoham, just an Xfinity start in between the Slinger Nationals and the Dixieland. Yeah, uh, obviously, 
that's my goal. That's what I've been wanting to do since I've been racing go-karts at nine years old. Uh, this is what I've always wanted to do, and um, it, it's surreal that it's gotten to this point and that I'm getting the opportunity that um, hundreds and hundreds of drivers throughout the throughout the country wish to have, and it's it's pretty cool in that, to be in that position and, and to have gotten where I've gotten uh, and the way we've done it, which is, is, is really uh is really cool and um, just really thankful for the opportunity and um, hoping to make the most of it. So there is the winner of the 50 lap super late model feature this week, the white race, the Scott Vanderloop Memorial, Ty Majeski and Andy, let's get right into it. Obviously, you know, Ty ended up winning that one by nearly a straightaway. There weren't many that were left to try to challenge him after that early restart you were on the outside line right behind ty what did you see yeah um really i mean things happen fast um you know it's lap two we're on a restart there and uh, i was right behind ty and uh after you know watching some videos and things after the fact i wish i would just stood on the gas and took off and you know drove right in the back of ty and just got out of there but um, i ended up getting lifted um, from behind the 45 car i had nowhere to go um, picked our car up, you know, two or three feet off the ground, turned it sideways, and uh, it was on from there. Um, our car wasn't as bad as some of the others. Maxwell Schultz got tore up pretty bad, Casey Johnson. Um, and then you feel really bad for the guys who um, are working hard and, and um, your lower-budget teams that transfer through maybe the semi-feature. Um, you see the 50 and the 07, and, you know, Tim Springstrow in his second uh, super late start, you know, get that car tore up. It's pretty unfortunate that early in the race to see that happen so what happens on those kinds of restarts i mean typically what we'll see is if uh, a bad start happens drivers will come back to the line uh what was your opinion on what took place it looked like maybe the inside line guy uh the seven of johnny d might have jumped the start when he shouldn't have and then maybe try to compensate for it or was the eight car lagging too much what was going on there yeah I think uh I think he had a combination of both I know Johnny D um I texted a little bit with him on Friday as well as some of the other drivers like JVO and Max and stuff that were in the wreck and and Michael Anthony and just to see how bad their cars were and see if they needed any help with anything and you know Johnny felt really bad about what happened obviously he's a rookie here this year and, you know, coming up from the Milwaukee area almost feels like an outsider. So I think he just feels like this whole situation that he's the GOAT and he's taking the blame on all of it. But when you watch a video and, and when, when I talked to Johnny a little bit, um, it almost looked like with his experience and, and past um, racing at the Slinger Speedway, on their restarts there on that little bullring, um, they take off going into three. And when you watch a video, it looks like Johnny took off going into three, similar to what he's used to. Um, but he wasn't the leader of the race, and he's got to wait for Chad. Um, Chad was the leader of the race. He was on the outside, so he dictates the start. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, when they got out of turn four, it looked like he realized, uh, Johnny, that he was a little too far out there. Um, everybody says he slammed on his brakes. He clearly didn't. The three car behind him didn't get into him at all. Um, but everybody kind of checked up because the restart wasn't good, and then the outside roll went, um, and yeah, then just kind of created a mess. So anybody from 10th to 22nd um, ended up getting some sort of damage, except for one car who had a really good run. We'll talk about him. It was uh, Bobby Kendall um, setting fast time, and uh, I don't know how he got through that, and I, I've seen the video a couple times. You know, I think he was 12th or 14th, and somehow he managed not to get hit from behind and not in the front. It's like, it's like the Seinfeld episode with the bubble boy. It's like the 11 car had a bubble around, a bubble it, around and he it. snuck through and ended up finishing fourth. So. You know, and it's always kind of like when you watch the big one on TV at Talladega or Daytona, there's always that one car and then they have every possible camera angle on the car, on the nose, on the rear. And you just watch and he misses everybody by millimeters. And you just say, that is the luckiest son of a gun out there. So, <laughs> It would maybe we could have had a couple of GoPros on Bobby Kendall and seen what he actually had to dodge yeah. there. Um, talking about good runs and obviously you know just so unfortunate that that happened and you know hopefully everyone's doing okay and fixing their stuff up and we'll see him back out here. Uh, we do get back into the race and we have Chad Butts finishing in second, uh, the rookie. Or excuse me, in third, uh, he was running second for quite a bit, and then Lowell got him late in the race, trying to chase down Ty. It's just an excellent run. 
uh, by that team. And and obviously that's not a new team here. You know, his dad, Mike, his own cars for Matt Kenseth for uh, Jeff. I think Jeff drove for him for a little while. Eddie Hoffman. I remember driving for him. Terry Baldry. Uh, So obviously there's a lot of knowledge around this racetrack there, but. At some point, you you got to look and say, okay, we got a high school kid behind the wheel here, and he's learning pretty quickly. Yeah, and Chad, uh, you know, they've taken the right steps getting him into racing. He started out in the sport trucks, and we'll talk to Jordan here in a little bit. Um, worked his way up through there, and then uh, they did some racing at the Norway Speedway. And, you know, talking to, to Mike and stuff this year, um, you know, he's said several times, you know, they built a good piece, and you just need laps. And this is one of those tracks that, the more laps you make and the more comfortable you get, um, the the better you're going to get. So great run for him coming in third, especially on a big race like that, the white race. And, um, yeah, I mean, to do it, he had to qualify well to, to make the invert. He did that, and then uh, he did well on those restarts early on and, and took off. So it's good to see. Yeah, and qualifying is no easy task during the, during the white race either because you get some extra cars in. They do – have the two extra spots through qualifying when we get up to 27 cars. So you're looking for 16 instead of 14. But, you know, the field's so tight, qualifying just becomes that much more critical. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, I know Kendall laid down a really good lap. I think he was a mid-226 or something. Uh, yeah, I think it's two. Um, yep. Yeah, and then, you know, sixth place was uh, like a 49. So really when you got through that middle part, anywhere from about – fifth through I want to say 15th was within a a tenth or a tenth and a half and it gets really tight of not only are you worried in when you're in that spot am I going to make the show on time am I going to make the ember depending on where the dice roll was um and then with the dice roll I think Bobby rolled a three this week um you know that inverted Casey Johnson Jesse Odenhoven and then you've seen some of those guys get tore up in the wreck too so that's just the way it works with racing and fix them up and go to next week but really unfortunate there was a lot of cars in that wreck and you know probably if you started to just add up how many cars were wrecked and how much damage i mean there's probably close to twenty thousand dollars oh I, I, I can believe it i can believe it so uh when when you talk about bobby kendall uh i i see bobby kendall as a guy that really started his hot streak probably during the red race when he said fast time and he's been really good ever since he's picked up a feature win uh, charged his way through the field and uh, picked up, I, I believe it was fifth, correct? Rounding out the top five. Uh, fourth. He got fourth. by Kelmus at the end. That's I was, right, yeah. I was following those oh, guys yeah. for a good portion. That was a really good that battle. That was a good battle. That's yeah. right. I remember because Kyle was, he was caught by Bobby. And Bobby kept looking to the inside, and he must have just been getting so frustrated inside that car because every <laughs> time it was off of two or off of four, and I don't think they touched once. Uh, Kyle would just find some kind of massive run off of the turn and just escape and then be able to shut the door going into either three or one, depending on which end of the track they were at. And Bobby, to his credit, very patient, waited it out, and finally got his opportunity. Did it cost him a chance to go up and race against the top three? I don't know. They were already pretty far ahead by that point. But uh, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I I recall that battle, yeah. and it was it was it was one for the ages here. Maybe one of the better ones that I've seen. Yeah, I was in the catbird seat for that, and like you said, a lot of patience was shown there, and and it's you're gonna pay off, you know. Looking at now where the red, white, and blue standings are heading into the blue race, you know, Bobby's your leader overall. You know, if he would have been aggressive on that and spun Kyle out and got sent to the back or wrecked, then we're talking about someone different being up there, probably like a Lowe Bennett or something. So. Yeah, hats off to him for, for a good run there. Another driver that enjoyed a busy day, a good day in some aspects, but then unfortunately got you know just nowhere to go being at the tail end of the field in the super late models. Uh, you had mentioned this to me earlier, Andy, uh, talking about Tim Springstrow uh, in the day that he had won his first heat ever in a super late model, so congratulations going out to Tim on that. And then he and uh, Brandon Reichenberger in the semi, back and forth and back and forth, and that was... You know, just two incredible battles for fourth place in the super late model <laughs> semi semi feature and features, and obviously in the semi feature fourth place means just a little bit more because that's your chance to get in. And Tim found a way to do it. Yeah, and he did it mostly on the outside, from what I remember watching of that race. Brandon kept getting his nose inside of him, and it looked like he had the position. And um, Tim didn't, you know, drive over his head like you see some people do the first time in their car and get out of shape a whole lot, but. He was able to hold him off and get to the line and, and transfer into the big show. Yep, and then, of course, 
had to make the run after the semi feature from the pit area all the way to the front of the X because he was on the pole for the late model feature, which yet again, Andy does not disappoint. Uh, it's Eddie Munster this time holding off Jesse Bernhag in a 25 lap feature. And somebody out qualified Jesse Bernhag in this week. Yeah. Do you, do you know that guy? Yeah, I don't. I think I might have jumped in that car just to qualify for him <laughs> last night. No, just kidding. But, uh, yeah, Brian picked up his first uh, fast time on the half mile. He's had him some before in the sport trucks and other divisions. So um, that was pretty neat to see. Um, qualifying hasn't always been a forte of his. Um, he likes to get in a rhythm and chase, chase the, the rabbit down the backstretch, so to speak, to keep up. But, um, yeah, he had a good run, ended up fourth in the feature. And um, pretty solid night. He were out here Tuesday practicing, found some different things, and um, really applied to his car for Thursday night. Yeah, and uh, like we said, it ends up being a pretty good battle up front. We have Eddie Munster taking the win. It was his second of the season, former red, white, and blue champion, and we caught up with him afterward. Eddie Munster picks up the win in the white race. Uh, Eddie, just tell me about the race. I know you were catching Nate Van Wyken, and then the 56 had some problems. What did you see? And then uh, what happened with the 28 there at the end, uh, just trying to escape him? Yeah, it was, it was a good race. I started fifth, and then when I got to second, and then the 56, I'm not sure if I would have got him or not. We were actually having a pretty good race, and it was kind of a bummer to see him break. I mean, you always like to win, but you don't need it given to you either. you got to earn it. So, And then uh, 28, him and I were racing good at the end, and it was a close race. It was, it was fun. You become the second repeat winner in what's been a very competitive field this season. Uh, Meyerhofer did it last week. What's it been like out there for you? Um, it's The year started out, you know, this is a different car than I was running my son-in-law's car the last two years. And we're just running like four or five nights each year. And this is a different car than I've been running. So it took us a few weeks to get it dialed in. But like you said, it's real competitive and there's not a lot of repeat winners, which which is good and it makes it fun. You're a guy that's raised super late models out here. You've won the late model red, white, and blue championship. What makes this year different? What's it been like coming back here racing at WIR full-time? Well, uh, my friends at Ken Sports um, sponsored a car, and they own the car, and they really like me to race here, and it's kind of almost like a family deal and come here every Thursday night, so I'm glad to be able to come out here every Thursday night and do it. And now that we're kind of in the second half of the season, we start to look at the points championship battle, and I think there's just a grouping of you that all could potentially take this title. Are you thinking about that yet? You're a guy that's won championships on the dirt before, or do you just kind of wait and see where things fall into place? Yeah, I've, I've raced that point deal for a long time. I've won uh, 10 championships with my dirt modified, and those can make a lot of stress so I kind of don't even look you just do the best you can each night and, and if it's meant to be and the chips fall where they fall and you win well that's better yet so that's Eddie Munster winner of the white race for the late model division uh, the point battle very tight the Thursday standings now in the red white and blue as well as Travis Rodewald who won the red red race that's always easy for me to say ends up finishing fifth uh, you know Springster was in the mix your brother Brian ends up fourth not bad uh gosh i just I, I look at all of these drivers that could potentially win the championship in that division this year you know you had meyerhofer and nate van wyken who unfortunately fell out of the race uh brazen bennett was up in the mix as well i think uh, let me just check the results here brazen uh finishing well you know toward the tail end of the top five i think he finished seventh so it's it's this one's this is one that is going to come down to the wire. I'm calling it now, Andy. We're gonna we're gonna put the prediction machine out. I'm going to say that there will be no less than three drivers who have a chance to win the championship on the final night in the late models. Yeah, and it's shaping up to be that way. Like you said, Rodewald, Bernhagen, um, my brother Brian, um, Brazen, Meyerhofer. I mean, there's a lot of strong cars out there, and I think a lot of it is track position and who can make their car. Um, work or at least maintain on that outside line um, where they can get some positions. Um, so it's just going to be exciting. Moving on now to the quarter mile. And most of the stories out of the quarter mile have been coming after the race. Kind of unfortunate. You know, we talked about Wills last week. 
Dylan Wenzel and Andy Casavant finishing one and two don't pass post-race tech this time around. So Andy Meyerhofer is awarded the win with Rachel in second. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good race. Um, there was also a, a Grand National dirt car, if you remember. Yep, that Ariana Beatty. Ariana Beatty was uh, was out there, and she led a lot of the race. Uh, unfortunately, there was some contact out of turn two, and um, she ended up getting turned around. But um, it's always nice to see some different cars out there and, and people running up front. So shout out to her. Um, doing what she could up there with uh, having a different car, and you could almost tell it was trying to dirt track around the corners. Yeah, those so. <laughs> those dirt cars are are something else when you see them out here, and you can even kind of tell now some of the four cylinder dirt cars that are coming out. Just the the attitude and the way that the car sits. Uh, you see Ariana. There's a lot of flex in those dirt racing chassis, so anytime those cars come out here, you know the asphalt chassis is real stiff, so it just kind of rolls over to the side, but. You can sort of see the flex where the right rear goes uh, goes down, or excuse me, the right front goes down and the left rear comes up, and you see the chassis looks like it <laughs> twists out there. And so if you're ever wondering why that car looks the way it does out there, it's not anything that's really too crazy as far as setup is concerned. It's because that's just the way those cars are constructed. Yeah, pretty wild. With the, Yeah, it was, it was a good show. And uh, like you said, uh, two weeks in a row now in the Superstock class, the – the uh, car that took the check f- checkered flag uh, didn't end up with the trophy, so um, they got some things going on with tech, which, hey, us as drivers and teams, we want to see tech done and enforced, um, and uh, I know there's some discrepancies with some of the stuff going on with how the rules are and how they're worded, so hopefully they get some of that stuff cleaned up for everybody. Yeah, definitely, uh, but like we said, you know, good to see some different drivers running up front. Uh, Dylan Wenzel, obviously, still very fast, and I saw him last night when I was at Jefferson. He's going to be back, and he said, look out, because now now he's got a little bee in his bonnet. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on, we're going to uh, get to the sport trucks last because that will help us get right into our, uh, into our guest here, Jordan Fisher. Uh, the four-cylinders, the sizzling fours, my goodness, this Brody Revest who shows up once or twice a year, I guess that's uh, an enduro slash dirt car. That thing looks like it's been out here for years. He was on a rail. That thing looks pretty wild, too. If you actually just watch it go around the track, it looks like it's, like, two feet longer than any other car and, like, a foot lower to the ground than any other car. So, I don't know. It just it looks different, and it's it's fun to watch. He um, he worked his way to the front and had a good battle for the lead. I believe it was with Beatty, um, who ended up uh, coming up with a good finish as well. And just watching those cars come around the corners late in the race, there's literally fire coming off of the brakes and the brake rotors so we could see it on uh two or three cars when we were watching it so those guys are driving those cars hard and getting the most out of them that they could and 34 cars that that was incredible yeah i asked a few people like why were there so many four-cylinder cars that's crazy that'd be cool if we could get that every week and i think there was some different things going on with scheduling this week with uh, maybe oshkosh was running a different night this week thursday Mm -hmm. versus friday um, and some other specials around the area and it just you know, our class benefited here on Thursday night because of it, and it was great to see they had a semi feature. Right. You know, when's the last time we had that? Um, Pete Wills, he's been struggling this year. He ended up with a seventh place finish for him, so that was good to see as well. And uh, yeah, just just cool. Hopefully, they can keep that going with that many cars. Yeah, you, actually, uh, just that third heat that they had. You know, three heats, obviously, with the increased car count. Uh, with all of the the quicker cars that were out there was just incredible because they were going three wide and you know Rivest was fast and he couldn't get through so you had cars going inside outside someone would go up to second they'd fall back to fourth they'd get back up to second (laughs) Uh, the heat race itself was incredible and uh, you know that happens when you start to get more cars and you start to pile the faster cars together a guy like Mike Klein who won the championship really dominated the class last year he's been coming back for the red white and blue as well so that just makes things a little bit spicier out there in that division. Yeah. Uh, also, we had the return of the WIR quarter mile late models this week. And Corey Kempkis picked up the win in the five car. I was trying to scan my memory bank, Sandy. Is that the first time Corey's won a race on a quarter mile here at WIR? Because we were trying to think, you know, did he? I can't. I can vaguely remember him running super stocks, but I'm not sure if I'm right. And then you let me know that he ran four cylinders, but that was mostly at 141. 
So I don't know. We're gonna have to try to get that confirmation from Corey on that. But that yeah, that been might have been the second win on the quarter mile since they've been doing that class. There might have been another time that he did that. But uh, yeah, it was it was a good race. Um, you know, he got a really good restart after one of the the cautions. I think he had about uh, fifteen car lengths. He launched out of there. And uh, Birkin patiently kind of drove up there and got within a couple car lengths of him. And um, having raced with Birkin and watched him growing up, I thought if he gets within a car length of Corey, he's going to get the old chrome horn. (laughs) And I think he had an opportunity. I think it was through one and two with like two laps to go. um, And he didn't take it. And I thought, okay, you know, veteran movie, he's going to wait for the white flag lap. And then uh, Corey ended up just getting a little further away from him on that on that last lap where he couldn't take that opportunity. So um, it's good to see uh, they had seven cars come out this time. So they've been gradually um, getting some more cars into that class, and it's fun to watch when they do that. And that class is like a throwback of me sitting in the stands back in the mid-'90s with Birkin. <laughs> Sporowski came out the last two Rick times. Spoo. Rick Spoo's been running. Uh, <laughs> I I just don't know who's gonna come out next. I mean, uh, is Lee Tritt gonna come out of retirement? You know, is Benjamin Brinkman gonna be out there yeah, soon? Like Steve Smith, yeah, maybe who, Larry Gittner. Who, who might be? I next? seen Dan Petterman in the pits on Thursday. Have you? So okay, maybe we could get him in a car. Dan would be good. Uh, maybe uh, we could get Jack Pankratz back out there. Terry Korth. Terry. Yeah, we know we know exactly where Terry we is. We know that they have extra cars too. So. <laughs> Man, that could, you know, that class could just be a throwback to the days of the 90s and all the little kids will be sitting down like, who are these guys? And will be like, that's Terry Korth, man. He won a championship out here. That's Steve Smith's, man. Those guys used to be the best out there. Yeah, so. even like Tim Satorius, who raced for years, he's still here every Thursday night in the stands. And, yeah, a lot of those guys, like it's like you, Matt, I grew up watching those guys on the quarter mile, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be like throwback night like we're having next week. Uh, moving into figure eights. Again, the story becomes what happens after the race. Craig Krieger, I we can't really remember the last time he won. He's won here before, but it's been a while, especially with the domination of Craig Van Wettering and Van Roy, Van Camp, guys like that, Jeff Will, Robbie. And he wants to celebrate, but the motor doesn't want to celebrate. Or it has a different idea of how to celebrate. Maybe it was trying to, you know, how you dump Gatorade on the coach. It decided to dump a lot of fluid out after the race. Unfortunate. But, you know, the nice thing is Shane was out there and gave him a little push to victory lane. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always good when you win and you want to celebrate. But uh, that's, the, uh, that's the chance you take when you're doing stuff like that. And it's different when you're on Sundays watching the guys on TV on NASCAR because they're not reusing that motor the next week when it's the local guys doing that. And that's that's uh, going to cost some money for somebody. Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll see them back out here. The Kriegers are pretty devoted to that <laughs> figure eight class, which is always good to see. So let's get into our guest here, uh, Jordan Fisher. First off, welcome to the Rumble Under the, Over the Thunder podcast. Congratulations on last night's win at Dell's Raceway Park. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, that's we've had a wild wild couple days um with going in the wall and the heat race on uh and going on our side on thursday and then finding out we dropped a motor on friday night and then working till four in the morning to to get it ready and then to go up there and and get the win was just just awesome so yeah let's talk a little bit about the wild ride you had here during the heat races Uh, we were discussing it prior to starting the podcast here today and I had told you I, I wasn't really watching the race. That was one of the races that Lauren was announcing. But I certainly heard what happened to you, uh, not over what Lauren was saying on the PA, but as you smacked the wall, I heard a rather large thud. And then, Andy, you heard what? <laughs> Scraping all the way out onto the half mile. What's that like? On your, You were on your side all the way to the half mile, right? Yeah, yeah, from about three-quarter of the way down the front stretch to onto the half mile. It, it felt like it was going to last forever, um, almost like a dream, kind of wait, waiting for it to end. Um, I remember just trying to, trying to hold my body up. I mean, everything feels like it wants to go out that window, and you definitely don't want any, any parts going out the window. So, um, yeah, feeling, feeling the – having the – the track being four inches from your face and feeling all the pebbles come up hitting your hip and your helmet is some something I'll remember for a long time. But the the hit into the wall, um, I wasn't even sure what happened. I, I know Jason had a huge run coming down the outside. 
I wasn't sure if he was going to do it or not. And he tried there. There just wasn't the room there. So, um, thought I blew a tire and hit the wall, but wasn't sure what happened, but yeah, glad, uh, glad I was okay. And, and, uh, able to make it back out for the feature. Um, got to give a big, big thanks to Brett Van Horn's crew. Um, we don't talk much since we're competitors, um, especially in the pits, but, um, his whole crew came around and we were hitting it with a sledgehammer. We were beating it out. I, I needed three new tires, three new rims, um, beat the body back a little bit and was able to make it out for the feature. So overall the night felt like a win. So how long did it feel like you were sitting there waiting for someone to flip you over? And I'll tell you this story, and I told it over the PA. I've told it a few times before. I was working at Slinger uh, as one of the track stewards slash officials there, and the Wisconsin Sport Trucks were there for a night. And I believe it was Dan Vixmer who flipped over in hot laps, and the safety crew kind of wasn't in position yet, and I was out there doing something. I can't remember if I was flagging in one of the corners or what I was doing. But for whatever reason, I ended up out there on the track while he was sitting there on his side. And I remember walking up to Dan, and he had his left arm out the window trying to push himself back onto all fours. He wasn't successful, but he was giving it a go. Did you think about trying that at all? Um, I tried that, actually, my first time. I flipped it out, I think, on my third or fourth start out here. Um, I I took the front row on, on the start of the race and ended up on my side. Um, and I had, I had heard you talk about that story, and I actually tried that. And no, well, it's too it. I didn't say it's it was a good idea. Heavy, I just so. said I saw it. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that'd be that's got to be cool. I'm, I I started out in the stands two years ago. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't two years ago, and I was in the stands, so I like seeing stuff like that. And um, glad I didn't. I heard it's really bad for the trucks to come crashing down like that, um, with especially with no suspension. You're, you're pretty much guaranteed to knock all your settings out of it. Um, if you don't bend anything in the, in the meantime, but no, luckily when I, uh, when I did it this Thursday, um, I kind of skid far enough where I skid right, pretty much right in front of the safety crew. So, um, they were there in a hurry. Um, my wife came sprinting down the, down the front stretch. Kyle Coelho came from there. So it, it, it felt like a blink of an eye and all of a sudden I had, I was surrounded by people and it felt pretty good. I, I felt safe. So. I saw a video this week, and uh, this is one of the guys who had a good run, came in fourth, uh, Bobby Wattier, uh the 89 truck. Um, he had an in-car video that he shared on, on Facebook of his truck, and um, it's pretty wild inside those trucks. I mean, you're watching that, and he is up on the wheel, and the thing's jumping around and bouncing. These things don't have suspension. Do you like pay a weekly visit to a chiropractor? or <laughs> Do you wear a mouth guard? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk about how rough that is and how it is when you go to different tracks. Uh, Kakana versus everywhere is Kakana is definitely the bumpiest. Um, it's it's kind of nice because you if you can get good at Kakana, you can go anywhere um, and and be a top top five car. So um, it's tweaking out, um, making subtle tweaks to to try to get around here as smooth as you can. Um, we the you know the top cars um, bounce a lot less than than the the cars in the back so it's it's obviously there's something to that and the more you can get out of that um the better you're gonna be so um we're working on that still but yeah it's definitely it's it's a rough ride especially when you have a bad handling car um and this uh the sticker or the sticky stuff they put down um seems like for the red white and blue race that doesn't help help us much with that um too much rear grip will will make these things jump so yeah i uh definitely definitely shouldn't uh probably be doing this with uh with the bad back i came into it with but um yeah it doesn't doesn't help i just wanted to mention that uh we probably we should probably should have introduced it but kyle quella is was obviously the winner and uh, a bad qualifying effort for him unfortunately um said something was wrong with a plug wire or something what yeah. Did he pull one? Pull I think, one before he, I think that's what he did. He's like, you know what? <laughs> uh, Jordan's been fast and, and Brett and, and Plutz, obviously. You know what? I, I think I'll just reach over and pull this plug wire off, and then I can start up front. So a little sandbagging effort, I think, on Quella's part. You heard it and, right and, here on the Rumble Over the Thunder yeah, from our from very <laughs> own Andy Monday going right after Kyle Quella. No, but he, uh, he had some issue there, and uh, he obviously took advantage of his starting spot and took off and – um, he got another win. I think that's the second in three weeks for, for Mr. Quella. So that was good to see. And, uh, going back to what we were talking about Jordan too, with, with how rough of a ride it is and the bouncing, 
Um, we saw the 18 truck lose a, a fuel tank, I believe it was in practice. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the maintenance and stuff you do on the trucks because it is a rough ride and, and you got to pay attention to welds and, and things like that cracking. So things like that don't happen to your truck. Yeah. Again, like the, that's a, uh, you know, one of being a front runner, um, like Brett Van Horn and, uh, um, Kylie Vandermoss and all of them. I, I know that throughout the week, um, the biggest thing for us too, um, with just trying to keep the truck on the track every week is going through nut and bolting that thing every week and going through making sure everything is, is perfect and set. You can't, uh, you can't just stick an hour into it in between, in between weeks and expect to uh, last the season. So that's a huge, huge part of it. I think one thing that's interesting about you guys as the truck class and organization uh, is that you're sort of a club within a club, right? Yeah. The Fox River Racing Club, and then you guys have your own club with the Wisconsin Sport Trucks, which not only works with the Fox River Racing Club here on Thursday nights, but also branches off and do a bit of a traveling series, which is why you were at the Dells and you won last night. Can you explain that to some of our listeners? Yeah, we we run our own club. Um, I guess primarily because our trucks are so unique that we as a club um, supply a lot of the parts but um, from axles to spindles to the bodies um, and all that needs to be taken care of in its own thing Um, so we hold that the pluses do a great job with with running that and they have for years Um, I don't know how the club could even go on without them really doing that and that's something that we wouldn't want the FRC to have to do and then yeah it allows us to have our have our own um, series traveling to Dell's Slinger, um, Norway, Michigan. We run a bi-weekly series up there. Um, just finally made it up there for the first time. That's they, they do a good job up there with running the trucks. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm the I'm the president of the club this year, um, so we're doing we're pretty involved in it and, and do quite a bit for it. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool that uh, that we have the Kakana show every Thursday. That's, that's really the, the staple to the whole club. We want to stay at Kakana and, and to see all the guys like Andy Monday and, uh, you know, half the guys you're talking about tonight, Butts, um, Kalmus. I mean, I could rattle off a ton of them that, that get good in the trucks and then end up being, being good superstars out on the, out on the half mile. So cheering for the old sport truck guys. I love yeah. it. Uh, question for you. And, you know, we asked Dylan Wenzel this last week, how did you get into racing? What what got you going? I've always loved racing. My uncle raced actually at Golden Sands Speedway um, when I was a kid, and it's it's always kind of stuck with me. And then uh, I took my wife out to the track, and I think we we came once, and then we came about two weeks later, and then I think we've been to every single race since then. And uh, I just couldn't sit in the stands anymore. I, I got the itch, and I could almost, I didn't even want to go to the track because I knew I was going to be bothering my wife for the, the, the whole next week until until I finally got her to to allow it. And um, she doesn't just allow me to do it. She's, like, full on into it. It's definitely, um, the more you're into it, the deeper you get, the more it, it really does become a lifestyle, and I couldn't do any of it with her. She's the only one I bring down here. Um, she pulls the cord on the out on the front stretch to get me started. She does the maintenance with me. Um, I come home from work. She'll have the truck unloaded up on jack stands, ready to go. So um, that's it's pretty awesome um, that we're we're doing it and uh, able to continue to get better and better. In- including an ER visit this week, I hear for uh, Raquel. Yeah, yeah. Just to add to our uh, add to our eventful last couple of days, she she dropped the jack stand on her foot. Um, tried to, tried to play it off as no big deal on Friday night. And then <laughs> Saturday couldn't walk, did not want to add that to the schedule of, of what we already had planned. Um, so she went in and, uh, got a little fracture on the top of her foot, but she'll be fine. We, we actually took Bobby Watier um, in her place to, to the Dells. Um, he helped out a ton. Him and his dad were over till one thirty in the morning. And then I had to give him a call. Hey, will, will you, uh, actually pull my trailer up to, up to the Dells and uh, and pit for me, and he did an awesome job. He loved it. Um, I think he learned a lot, and he's going to continue to get better and better and better out here. Yeah, it seems pretty committed. It's and it's always good to see young racers that are that committed to the sport. You know, not just showing up and doing things for themselves, but Definitely. coming out and helping others as well. Uh, speaking of help, everybody needs it. Everybody's got it. Can you tell me about some of your sponsors? Uh, 
quality sandblasting um, in Ashwaubenon, they helped me huge this year. We wanted to, we wanted to strip the d- truck down to nothing and kind of rebuild from the ground up. And I took it in to get sandblasted there, and they, they offered to do it for me. And then I said, how long do I have before I got to paint it? And uh, they said, probably about till tomorrow. So I said, I'm not going to get the work done before then. So then they re-sandblasted it and then, uh, and then painted it up for me. So that was, that was huge. And then uh, Peter's Uncle Sam's Fireworks, they've been with me since I started. Um, actually, the, the owner's son there, that was the bigger supporter of me. Um, passed away this off season, so the hood is a memorial to him. Um, got got a win for him, so uh, he he loved the trucks and uh, feel bad for their family. But we went and visited him over Fourth of July, and they're doing good. So um, Fisher Building Remodeling is my brother's company. I squeezed him for a few dollars, um, and then uh, who else do we have? A Weebler Machine built uh, made some of the custom parts that I need for the truck, which is which is really important and. Uh, Trudell Performance got on got on with us this year, and they're doing awesome stuff um, with local racetrack, local um, short track racing all over with the Deckers and all sorts of stuff. Driving experiences they're putting on. So yeah, I have I have a lot of great support. Who does your motors? Uh, Mike Weenit. It's it's a Weenit motor in there now. Um, well, actually now it's not, but now we're on stock. Um, not sure if we'll get a, get it rebut done before the end of the year or not, but he's a pretty busy guy. Once it got out that the the top trucks are running weenits, he's a he's a busy guy. There's now I, I want to say there's probably eight, nine, ten of them running weenit motors, and you can definitely tell the the young guns that have the big motors now. So that's funny because uh, when I ran the sport trucks, I was a rookie in the class. Would have been eighteen years ago. And we ran a, a bone stock motor the entire first year. And at the end of the season, uh, Rob Vandermoss loaned me his Mike Weenit motor. And we went down to all places, Dells Raceway Park, and picked up the feature wind down there with the Weenit motor. So it's kind of funny how this all comes full circle at some point. He's been doing it for a while, huh? Well, Jordan, thank you. Uh, and before we let you go, uh, we have decided to bring in a tech tips segment here on the podcast. And a lot of people might look at these sports trucks, and we kind of discussed it a little bit last week. Okay, maybe they don't have a lot of suspension, things like that. But there are things you can do, and there are things that you do. Can you give us a little tip? Don't give away too much, yeah. but we always like to hear it. Yeah, with no suspension, every little adjustment makes a huge difference, whether it be ride height, tire stagger, tire pressure, camber, caster. Um, you have to get into all of it, but I'd say the most important part out here is getting getting your stagger right. Um, you can tell that the cars, it's going to help you turn. It's going to help you get into the corner. So it's figuring out that tire stagger. You'll see guys with the tape, um, about half of them, maybe, maybe more up and down the pits, checking in between every race. And once I, once I dialed in and dove into that, um, and realized the difference between tire stagger and tire pressure and kind of tested different things and got that figured out, it seemed to, it seemed to really boost and knock, knock off some tents for us. So, and there's some pretty precise people too, that are out there with, uh, air gauges that go to tenths of a pound and oh, things yeah. like that oh, yeah. and it's, it's getting that technical yeah when you have when you have people like brad van horn i mean doing his fifth championship jason plutz i think he's doing his 12th year kyle quella 10 years um and then all the way down to rookies that i mean even like me only two years um and then people coming up from carts it, it's just so so competitive the field is is crazy you got you got people with 10 12 years experience people with no experience so um, when you're when you're doing it, trying to trying to beat someone, you know the competition like that. Every you want you want to make sure every little thing is perfect. So, Andy, I know you also had a question presented to you, and it was also about tires. But for the super late models, do you care to share that? Yeah, really, a question came up during the week. Um, really, for the average fan in the stands, they hear us talk uh, on the podcast or as racers about. Um, getting four tires versus two tires what's the the rule with that and and how do we pick out tires so um real briefly um we get four new tires uh, obviously the first night of the year to get the season started and then every week after that we're on two new tires the reason why is just to keep the cost down for everybody um the fastest the cars run is when we put four brand new ones on so um instead of having everybody buy four tires every night um, after the night's over, we impound two tires. Um, they stay here at the track, and we get them the following week to run with two new tires. 
Um, and then the red, white, and blue races and the Bruce Miller Memorial race that's coming up. Those are four tire special event shows. Um, with the late model class, um, they are in a similar predicament, but instead of two versus four, um, it's one versus two. So some weeks they're on one new tire, other weeks they get two new tires. Again, it's, it's all an effort to keep things equal for everybody and keep the cost savings down. Um, but yeah, as Jordan talked about, tires ultra important. Um, you know, that's the only thing touching the racetrack when we're going around the corners. And if you don't have enough stagger or if you have too much or too little air pressure, it can really affect the handling of things. So um, we're pretty precise when it comes to picking out tires. Uh, race Tech Chassis here in Nina is the, the uh, tire dealer for Wisconsin International Raceway. And, um, you know, I got to go there this week and buy some more tires for the rest of the year. We could go and say pick out two sets of tires, and me and Jeff, who on my team, who who does our tires, we could probably measure thirty or forty tires to pick out eight. Um, we're really looking at sizes. We're looking for things to be consistent. Um, even on the side of our tires, there's a little four-digit code um, that's the inspector of the tire who approves it from Hoosier. We try to get all of our tires by the same person. Then they're consistent. Then when you're out here on Thursday nights and you're trying to match tires with each other, everything just kind of flows together. And then those are the tires that you're scaling with. The ride heights are the same. Your angles are the same. Um, it gets pretty technical. And, you know, Matt, you know that from doing the um, the touring series and stuff. As soon as the pits open, you know, mm -hmm. at a Tundra or, or a Midwest tour show, there's a pit guy running over there's to the hawks. trailer. And they're in there. And there's 20 guys and they're throwing tires around because it's so important. My question to you, uh, just as a follow-up to this, is how do you determine when you're going from one race night to the next which two tires you save? I know on a three-tire race, it's pretty easy. You put the left rear onto the left front, and then you rubber everything else up. But with the two tires, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, and we've tried it a couple different ways over the years with having some um, different cars and, and different things going on. Um, it seems like if you put your two new tires on the front, the car will turn really good, but you have literally no traction getting out of the corners. Um, there's other things you can do to the setup to kind of manipulate that too. Um, if you put the two new ones on the back, then it's the opposite effect. You can have really good drive off the corners and the thing won't turn in the middle. Um, some guys I've seen do right sides for their two new tires. Um, the only snag you run into there is then you start getting your left side tires where they get to be two, three, four weeks old, um, and then you just can't keep up. So most teams on Thursday night in the super late class are putting on a, a left rear tire new and then a right front tire new. Um, they're impounding those tires at the end of the night because they're your new ones, and then the following week they'll go on the left front and the right rear. Um, in the late model class, a lot of it is um, on the right front and then rotating it back around, and then every every chance they get every other week, they'll get a, a left side, then they'll sneak that left rear in there as well. Okay. Well, let's move on to a very busy week of racing. Andy, you and I might get tired of each other because we're going to see each other on Tuesday for the Slinger Nationals. Before we get into what's coming up here at Kikana, your prediction for Tuesday night at the Slinger Nationals. Slinger Nationals. You know, Ty said in his interview that's one of the crown jewel races that they haven't won yet, and I know they were there a few weeks ago um, as kind of a shakedown for the Nationals, and they did extremely well. He had a good battle with uh, Steve Apel, and uh, Ty ended up getting the win, and uh, they were really happy and really comfortable with the car that they haven't really touched it other than the maintenance side of it for, um, for Tuesday. So... Um, Ty is going to be good. Um, you think of guys like uh, Prunty, Richie Bickle, um, probably going to show up. Uh, they're going to be tough as well. Um, April's been fast. Um, so, yeah, I would say um, my prediction is uh, probably Ty gets that monkey off his back and uh, picks up the win as long as he stays out of trouble. Um, but he, he's not going to do it uh, in dominating fashion like he did here at the White Race. I was thinking maybe you were going to go with the guy on your T-shirt there because, remember, he did finish third last year behind two guys that won't be there this year. Yeah, that's true. Travis, I'm going to go down there and help him. This will be the third year um, I've gone down for the Nationals. We initially had it on our schedule to go down and race this year um, with some things that came up with the, the wreck and the red race and, and other things with our car. Um, we're just going to keep focused here on Thursday nights um, for Kakana. So going to go down there and help him. Um, he's got a different car, Travis does, 
than he did last year. Um, the car he raced last year and did well with um, was purchased by Justin Mondike. He's one mm-hmm. of the quickie development drivers. He'll be there on uh, Tuesday as well. Um, so Travis is uh, hoping to have a good run down there um, with this car. Um, maybe not as dialed in as he would have hoped to be coming to this point, um, but should be fun nonetheless. Uh, we bet on who brings the donuts next week. I'm going to go with Prunty. Dennis, I, I, it just seems like a Dennis Prunty kind of year to me. I, I, I have a feeling he's been really fast. Every time he's there, seems to be either winning or finishing up front. I think uh, it'll be the year for the 42 again. Yeah, and uh, I think he's won two Slinger Nationals in the past. I right. could be wrong. Um, I remember two years ago, it actually just popped up on my um, Facebook yearly reminder thing, whatever they call it, on this day or whatever. Um, when Prunty won it two years ago, he grabbed the uh, – the giant check and mm-hmm. had it in his back seat, happy Gilmore style driving around town. Right. And I, I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. So yeah, Dennis is a great guy and um, you know, he's one down there. He's probably the only driver that's done this, but he's one down there this year with a nine to one an ACE and an LS. So three different cars, three different motor combinations and being able to win in all of them. So yeah, he's, he's going to be stout. Yeah. The only snag is, is which one do you bring down? Like, <laughs> which uh, really longevity is the big thing with the Slinger Nationals. But by the time uh, we talk again next week, we'll know what happened. Speaking of next week, right here at WIR Thursday night thunder. Don't forget about us because we have a really neat night coming up. It's veterans night. So all veterans come in for free courtesy of Kurz industrial. And also it is throwback Thursday night. One of my favorite things is that the INX legends are going to be here. Andy, have you seen these guys before? I did. It was, uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty neat class. Um, I know, uh, they should have a lot of them here. You know, have you seen them at the Madison, international speedway before at that track and uh they should put on a pretty good show i think the first throwback thursday we had the, the like the wings the vintage mods yeah yeah, and that was that was pretty cool to see mr iverson drive around everybody and and kick butt so um yeah it'll be be interesting to see it's always fun when you bring out something different former figure raider mark ritker part of the pack here for the inx legends so that should be fun and oh by the way it's only 10 bucks to get in this thursday that's Perfect. that's also very nice well, it's been fun. We've got a busy, busy week ahead of us racing-wise, so it's time to get after it. We thank you guys for tuning in to the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast. Jordan, a big thanks to you for coming on out. Yeah, thanks uh, for Hopefully a little bit better luck next Thursday for you here. But, again, congratulations on the win at Dell's last night. And uh, don't forget, you can find out more information about the Fox River Race Club. FRCRacing.net is the website, or just search Fox River Racing Club on Facebook. Let's do it again next week, Andy. What do you say? All right, sounds good. All right, everyone stay out of trouble.